Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here with a guy who knows a lot about being a good friend, and I'm happy to call him my friend. He's also an Irish Catholic priest. He's Father Len McMillan. Hey, Father Len. Yo, Irish. So, uh, speaking of friends, Father Len, the other day, you and I got into a, a, a really interesting conversation about friendship, the nature of true friendship, the profound effect uh, friendship has on us all throughout our lives. And you really got me thinking about what friendship really means and the role and importance of a good friend. And I think our listeners could really benefit from us having that conversation again here on the podcast. What do you think, Father Len? Can we get into that? Sure. Love it. Love it. You know, recently, this woman in my parish died named Joan. And Joan, one of the things that, as she was dying that she mentioned that she was so happy for was this friend of hers named Patsy Lodge. And I love it where she said, you know, our mothers were close friends. We're both in the womb at the same time, born in the same hospital. She called them womb buddies. <laughs> wow. And she went off on how she was so grateful because Patsy was in her life and made her a better person and made her life a better person. And her friend Patsy was the last person she saw before she died besides her family. And I love that because in Greek, the word friend or friendship is actually another word for love. Friendship oh. in English is a very soft word. But in Greek, there's four, well, there's more than four, but there's four main words for love. Love of one's family, love of one's friends, romantic love, and then there's this other word, agape, that means unconditional love. That's as supernatural. But the Greeks believe that ordinary love, like romantic love and friendship love and even family love, they all lead you to God. And we'd say that friendship love is a type of love that prepares you for heaven. Now, that's a strong belief. And we believe all these words for love, they really speak about the great mystery of God. But the problem is, I feel like in the United States, we're in this crisis of friendship. Because when we say friendship, it means, and I'm going to use my own definition, cultural friendship. That we believe that friendship is not really about love, but friendship is good because it gives you some sort of advantage, either economically or socially. Those are cultural friendships, like LinkedIn. So you have you know more business advantages, or even Facebook, that is just the mirage of popularity. That gives you something. And Proverbs says, a man with many companions come to ruin. But there's a friend who sticks closer to you than a brother. So today, the word friend, you know, it's been turned into a verb. You friend somebody on Facebook. Not that they really know you. They just know <laughs> what you want to project. And so cultural friendships are about, are about getting something. And to me, it's sad because it misses the real power of that love. Our culture always puts erotic love, you know, romantic love, sexual love first. That's what's so popular among like the bachelor because we're individuals, you know, and we got it. It's always about the individual. And when you say the word love in English, it's just another word for sex, not friendship. You know, that 
if you find the right partner, well, then you'll be happy. And all the songs and glossy magazines and movies, it's always about romantic love. Why? Well, because our culture isn't turned on by friendship love. But friendship brings something into your life that not even your family can bring in, not that even romance can bring in, brings in something different. We'd say that true friendship, it actually forms you. You know, because we like to walk around in our culture and say, I am who I choose to be. You're not who you choose to be. (laughs) Even the Bible says God knitted you together in your mother's womb. And God says, I gave you your gifts. You didn't choose your personality. You didn't choose that. And ask any mother, and it is kind of amazing. Children are born with their own personality. You didn't choose that. And then the early stage of your life, it's your family that makes you. You didn't choose that either. But the rest of your life, you're partly formed on what friends you make. It's a community that forms you. So Proverbs says that one can perish for lack of true friends or for making the wrong friends. So like in the Bible, it defines true friendship, that true friendship has this foundation that you discover. Proverbs says that the point of true friendship requires a foundation, you know, this affinity, this common love, a common vision that can't be created. It only can be discovered. So Ralph Waldo Emerson says, friendship does not ask, do you love me? So much as it asks, do we see the same truth? Are you passionate about the same thing I am? Or C.S. Lewis put it this way that the typical expression of friendship would be something like, what? You too? I thought I was only one. (laughs) At the beginning of that friendship is that expression, you too? You know, like you can't have romantic love and friendship being the same person uh, of married people, but that usually takes years. And there's in some ways nothing less like friendship love than romantic love. Because lovers are always talking to one another about their love. Friends rarely talk about their friendship love. Lovers are always face-to-face absorbed in each other. Friends are absorbed in what they share. Friends are side-by-side, shoulder-to-shoulder, absorbed in some common interest. It's like, you two thought that was important? We share the same love. So C.S. Lewis goes on, to really make it very, very plain where he says, this is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition for having friends is that you would want something besides your friends. If you, if someone asks you, do you see the same truth? And your honest answer is, I really don't care about truth or justice or this or that. I just want to be friends with you then no no friendship can arise. There'd be nothing for the friendship to be about. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere have no fellow travelers. And the reason why, first of all, friendship has got to be about something you discover. So it's something deep in you. You discover that, you know, we care about the same things. We have the same values. And the deeper the discovery the more lasting and diverse the friendship. So some friendships readily are, you know, let's say built around the same soccer team or football team, you know. Uh, But the problem is, is that that's a superficial friendship because it's a 
superficial common thing, you know. It could be a start though. Yeah, it's the start. It's definitely a start. But let's say you're, you know, a Raider fan. Go Raider Nation. But I'm a Packers fan because I'm a normal person. <laughs> In the moment I stopped being a Raiders fan and you and if that's what our friendship was based on was Raider football, then it's not going to be very lasting if you change teams. But if you care for, you know, that's Christ or justice or love, uh, deeper values, the deeper the value, the more diverse the friendship. And that's why, like, to me, you have these great pictures. A, a book was written by Bishop Tutu and the Dalai Lama about their love for each other as friends. And, you know, it's not about soccer or football, but it they call each other brothers, that they have this brotherhood and this common love because they found something deep or there's this priest I admired. He was a hermit mystic, a true mystic. His name was William McNamara, wild guy. And I tell a story where he gave this retreat with this Vietnamese monk. And during the retreat, uh, this woman raised her hand and says, well, look at you two. You're the best of friends. And why can't religion just do away with differences? So we all get along. And both the Vietnamese monk and William McNamara said, no, we're friends because we went to the mystical core of our religion. And that's where we're made friends, not by ignoring differences. Or recently, the Pope and the Shiite religious leader over there, they met together and they said that they shared a love and a brotherhood, a Pope, the Pope and this Muslim and the the. Muslim leader actually stood for the Pope, which is a sign of respect. He won't even meet with political leaders, but him and the Pope, they hit it off because there's something deeper that united him. All these people, they discovered something deep and the deeper the source that is discovered, the more diverse the friendship. So first real friendship has to be based on something that you share in common. And hopefully it's deep and more lasting then once you discover it, where the, even the Bible says it has to be forged. So there's this Irish saint who's the patron saint of friendship. And he was this 12th century monk who wrote this whole book on friendship. But even he says, after friendship is discovered, you know, the common core, then it takes work. It has to be forged. After you discover it, you always forge this friendship. So to me, yeah, friendship does take work, but if you're wondering where I'm going, it's God who is our ultimate and lasting foundation. That's the love that we share, that we care for, you know, about the same love. So we care for others and life and goodness. But the love of God may make us friends, but it continually needs to be forged. That's why I think God commands over and over that people gather together as a community and gather together as one and worship together. So really a big part of church ministry is community building. But if you think about it, you know, the common core of God creates these odd friendships. Odd in the sense of they're so diverse, but they're so united. So the common core is not whether you're a Democrat or Republican or an artist or an engineer. The common core is God. And after that, you can have all these friendships that are way outside of my personality or preferences or cultural background because the common love is God. And like I, I had dinner with this small faith community, a group of parishioners who 
kind of all connect together and pray together. And I was so impressed during the dinner because they loved each other and they loved each other that like the guys were harassing each other about their, you know, different quirks of their personality, but it was all good natured. And they called themselves family. They said, we're really a family because the word friend is too weak of a word that they're all connected in this great love and they love each other. So it kind of reminds me when Christ says, who is my brother? Who is my sister? Who is my mother? But the one who does the will of my father. Christ is talking about a unity that's deeper than genetics or politics or or culture. That deeper thing, it unites people in a real love. It's not about being born in Meridian. It's about uh, really God being born in our hearts. So there's a psalm in the Bible I love where it says this person was born here and this person was born in this cult, this, you know, different country, but Jerusalem was born in them. So it means like this, you know, I was born in Montana. That one was born in Virginia, but the eternal Jerusalem was born in them. So they look at each other with love and see each other as brothers. You know, that's true friendship born from above and true friendship really allows true diversity because you hear all this talk about diversity and it's political talk about diversity. But when it says diversity, I always think myself, what they mean is diverse from something in opposition to something. What I often hear, what it means is diverse from that group over there. And usually I hate to say it recently, it seems to be white and male, but a better, a deeper, a truer source that creates diversity is this love friendship from the heart. It's a unity not based on external criteria, but deep love. That's the friendship that united the Dalai Lama and Bishop Tutu or the Pope and the Shiite leader or you know this Catholic monk and this Buddhist priest. True friendship love is based on what's in your core. And then it allows diversity and unity at the same time, not some pre-programmed diversity based on externals. So friendship has been called the school of sympathy because you get to see the world through other people's eyes. Like I have fallen in love with, you know, the Basque people and I love their hardiness. And when I was in California, the Filipinos, you see the world differently because you share this love with other people. And C.S. Lewis put it this way. We think we've chosen our friends, but for a Christian, there is strictly no speaking, no chances. A secret master of ceremonies is always at work, Christ, who said to his disciples, it's not you who have chosen me, I've chosen you. You can also say that to every group of Christian friends. It's not you who have chosen one another, but I who have chosen you for each other. And at the feast of friendship, it's God who spread the table. It's God who's chosen the guests. So I I just like that, that, wow, true friendship creates true diversity, but a friendship based on something deep and interior, not about, you know, external percentages of, you know, uh, your race and color or politics. You know, it makes me think that That's the missing ingredient in our country right now is friendship. Right. A deep friendship, not just friendship based on, you know, a certain diversity quota. 
I mean, but, you you see, even within families now, but with all this political stuff, I mean, their families are getting in fights, and we're not thinking deeply. We're not thinking about what we have in common. We're not thinking about what is deep and matters and brings us together. We're so focused on the things that we don't agree on. There, there's no sense of friendship. It it, it just is amazing. And, and, I, and I love your distinction, too, between romantic love and friendship love. I mean, that is such an important thing. And that's why, to me, like, for instance, my wife and I are total opposites in oh, she's so such many a nice ways. Person. Well, <laughs> that infers something about me that I'm not, sure, I'm, not sure, I'm, I'm not sure I like, Fatherland. But anyway, okay. it, it, you know, you were talking about how friendship love can take time. And I, I think that's really true. I think that's what happens to marriages. That romantic love kind of fades, and all of a sudden, you know, if you don't have the friendship love, if you haven't found the things that you do have in common, if there isn't some depth to your relationship in that way and some common love and stuff, it just it falls apart. Well, you know, Facebook has this uh, algorithm that it'll run on articles that you want to read that match your profile, that match your likes. And it'll suggest friends who match your way of thinking. And the problem with that is that that's a superficial friendship. Totally. What God is promoting is not something that can't be an algorithm of external things, politics or race or whatever that you can get along with somebody. And that's where I see our country going that unity based on externals you know this odd thing as i said the pope and the shiite leader or the dalai lama and bishop tutu all these people can say they love each other because it's based on something far more deeper and like i we believe in the bible it's friendship love that makes you wise that one of the great sources of wisdom is friends the, the love of friends because of the diversity uh, friends can make you a better person. So like, if you don't mind, I'd just like to read something from Proverbs about friends where it says, like a madman shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, he'll be taken as a curse. As iron sharpens iron, so does one friend sharpen another. The one who rebukes another will in the end gain more favor than one who has a flattering tongue. Whoever flatters his friend is spreading a trap for his feet. What it means is a friend is not going to let you go to ruin. True friendships they'll step in other companions. They don't care enough to say, stop doing that. And of this great story of years ago of these women who were in this rosary group and they had become all good friends. And at one point, one woman in the rosary group says, well, you know, I'm going to be getting divorced from my husband because he's very difficult and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden one woman who's really has the gift of joy Suddenly, she says, that's not true. And <laughs> challenges her right there and says, yep. that's not true. She says, I love you, but you're the one causing the difficulties. And 
your marriage. And the odd thing is that that was the true friend who prevented her marriage from being ruined. So the woman who, when she said that, kind of got a woke up, she admitted after a while that, yeah, I guess I'm really the true cause. And that woman says she saved her marriage by her honesty. So like a true friend speaks up. Or like, why does it say a man deceives his neighbor by saying he was only joking? Why does a man loudly bless his neighbor in the morning, say it's going to be taken as a curse? What it means is that here's somebody who's emotionally disconnected from their friend, that they don't know your innermost topography enough to say that they would know that that statement would hurt you. And then they say they dismiss it by saying, well, I was only joking. A friend knows what will hurt you and refrain from it. But a friend also knows that they have an obligation sometimes to hurt you by saying what you need to hear. So a friendship has candor and truth-telling. That's what it means when it says better open rebuke than hidden love. A wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And you know, what do those metaphors mean? Like they're deliberately paradoxical. You know, friendly wounds and wounding kisses. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. What it just means is I love that person too much not to confront them. I love them too much not to tell them the truth. I also love the line about the dangers of the hidden love, which means, you know, when you make a mistake, I only smile. I I know this is going to be a huge mistake, but I feel too uncomfortable being honest. If a friend is about to make a huge mistake and you don't say something, even if it upsets a friend, it proves that I love myself more than I love that friend. Refusing to speak up the truth is not just cowardice, but it's also places love of yourself over love of the friend. That, is so, that is so profound and so powerful. It, yeah. it really is, Father Lynn. That's just... Uh, you know, if you don't have the courage to and the love for your friend to let them know that they're going to make the mistake of their lives, it, it really is, says something about you. And like well, that, you say, you that know, you love... It's not my quote, it's the Bible. But. But, but you love yourself more than you do yeah. your friend. I mean, yeah. that's a sad you thing. A but You don't have a deep love for love. You love yourself. And yep. so I love the line, whoever flatters his friend is spreading a trap for his feet. I love that too. I know, yeah. Instead of telling your friend what's wrong, that person is going to get an inaccurate view because you could only give compliments. You're setting that person up for disaster. It's as if you're putting them, their foot in a bear trap because they're going to make their decisions based on your silent approval. But I also love the contrast where it says a friend also knows when to keep his mouth shut. Yep. (laughs) But so what it's saying is we need the friends that our heart needs. And I mentioned this before, but, you know, there's this the news in the news. There's a certain senator who was sharing naked pictures of women who had intimate encounters with. And supposedly that was true. I don't know if it's true. And I don't want to argue that point. But if it is true. I'd have to really say this. The shocking part to me was not the showing in the pictures is the shocking part to me is why did it continue? Why did that, if that behavior was true and they're saying he was showing it to his friends, my real shocking point is why did that 
behavior continue because no one ever said to him, never show me something like that again. That's the news to me. Why nobody didn't give even the smallest no and then continue to be his friends and then talk about him behind his back. Yep. A true friend would have spoke up. And so, you know, friends are the ones who give this awkward, small no. Allies, they're the ones who never say anything and then talk behind your back. We don't need more political allies. What the world needs is true friends. So that's, I love the line, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. You're going to have friends that grow together. You're also going to have these constructive clashes as iron sharpens iron. So friends sharpen each other. That's why Walter Emerson said that the great paradox of the best friendships is this. He says, friends require that rare mean between likeness and unlikeness. Isn't that amazing? You have to you have something in common, but you have to be completely different. It's yep. better to be a nettle in the side of your friend than his echo. And I love a nettle life. in the side of a friend than That's, an echo. I that, I like that too. That's really and good. I, and the best line, I just like this. There must be two before there can be one. Isn't that a great line? Absolutely. You and I have to be completely different <laughs> before there can be a oneness. I need to say Irish, you're out of you're out of control. Well, you do that all I, the time, Father Len. You're uh, I, I, now I, I know the tr the true nature of our friendship. But you're always like, you're always getting out the knife and trying I to sharpen iron. me a bit. I'm, I like to say I'm iron. You, you, um, you are the iron. I make people's life difficult out of love, but you know, <laughs> and relish in it. I do, I do. But you need friends who are so deeply like you and so deeply unlike you. If you're going to have friendships that are really going to turn into something great, you need kind of opposite. So I just, I love how friendship love speaks the truth and challenges. And Proverbs says, a fool perishes either for lack of friends or poorly chosen friends. And like, I'm just kind of weird because I love etymology, like the meaning of words. And in Hebrew, the word for friend is related to the word secret in the sense that that's somebody who really knows who you are. A friend is somebody who really knows you. So even Jesus says, I don't call you servants. I call you friends because a servant doesn't know what his master's about. I call you friends because you know what I'm about. I love the Hebrew that a friend knows your secret self. Or in English, I don't know if you know this, but the word friend comes from the Indo-European word for love and freedom. Isn't that amazing? Love and freedom. Interesting. I, I like that friendship is a type of love that sets you free to become who you're meant to be. That's what it means. So, And I've told you this story about C.S. Lewis. He had two best friends. So the three of them were this trio and one of them dies. And he thought, well, at least I'll get more of my other friend. But once a, one friend dies, he said that friend brought out things in the other, in our personalities that just the two of us couldn't bring out. It's a community that brings out your fullest self. Unity and diversity. Right. The, the friend who died was a different kind of person. And the, I, the other friend how, couldn't, bring, couldn't yeah. bring out that part of, of C.S. Lewis. I so get you it. Don't, you need a whole community of friends. But I love how in English the word friend is freedom and, sorry, free, 
freedom and what was the other word? <laughs> what did you oh, love? Sorry. <laughs> so it's free and love in Spanish. It's more easy. Spanish and Latin in Spanish. It's amigo in Latin. It's amicas, but think of the word amore, which means love. So it means somebody I love, not somebody who is on my Facebook, who just reads my, you know, not an ally. And the odd pit for, for Catholics and Jews, true friendship, we'd say, gets you ready for heaven. That true friendship actually not only gets you ready for heaven, but it works backwards. It gets you ready to return to the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden is brought about on earth when we make friends. And so in, like in the Hebrew, it says that a friend cleaves to you. And what the word cleaves, it means this commitment out of passionate love. It's not romantic love, it's passionate love, but it's the same word that's used in Genesis on how close Adam and Eve were. So true friendship, it helps return the world back to the Garden of Eden. And then it also pulls it forward that friendship gets you ready for heaven. That friendship, and I like this, it recreates your soul. Like God created your soul. And then friends help you recreate your soul. So like the friendship between Jonathan and David, it says in the Hebrew, their souls were knitted together as one soul. So, you know, it says the Holy Spirit in the Bible knitted you together in your soul in your mother's womb. And then your friends continue that knitting process throughout your life. I just love that. Well, so that- it's, it's like you mentioned earlier, kind of these three stages of who you are. You know, God created you with these specific gifts, and then your family contributes something. And then later on, and for most of your life, it's your friends that knit help, your soul. Help, yeah, knit your soul, help bring out who you really are, who you were really meant to be. It's a really interesting progression. And I love the fact that you said these people that say, I'm going to determine who I am and, and, and what I want to be, when in fact there's a bunch of stuff happening that's well beyond them. Well beyond your control. Yes, but way, way beyond their... If you let it be out of your control, you, you fall in love with people. Yep. It, it's your soul. Now, you, and, well, I don't know whether you're going to men- mention this, and I, I hope I'm not derailing I don't know what you, I'm but, going to mention either. But, but in our... In our previous conversation, you made this distinction between siblings and friends. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I really liked that. It it really did make me think about that whole idea. Not that siblings can't be friends, but the typical situation and relationship. I'd love to have you well, fill listeners in that, on that. It's a line that kind of cracks me up because it says, sibling is for adversity And a friend is for all times. And what it means by that is this, is that, you know, when the chips are really, really down and things are horrible, I can call my family. But on the day-to-day events of life, I really don't want to be around my family that much. And oftentimes, no offense, your siblings, they might not like you. (laughs) And you may not like them. And you may not like them. Like, you're so different. Well, it's the old saying, you can can choose your friends, but you can't can't choose your family. Yeah. And during hard times, your family should be there for you. But you know who's there for you in all times, in the ordinary day in and day out of life? And that's your friends. And they f- help form your soul. So in some ways, a friend, friendship, love, is more important than siblings. Because siblings, yeah, they'll be there, you know, maybe they're your friends, but they'll, hopefully they'll be there during adversity. 
but it's your friends who will be there through, you know, happy and cold times. And the best part is that like, I know this sounds strange, but one of the images of the last judgment, there's all these images of the last judgment, but one image of the final judgment is that Christ will recognize you as a friend. And the worst is when Christ says to some people, I tell you, we've never met. They've only known the Facebook God. They've never really met God as an intimate friend. And the odd part is that what you find out is God is friendship. That God made us in his image. And for us, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That means complete loving unity. Meaning we need friendship to get back to Genesis 3. When it's talking about God in the very beginning of the Bible, it says God walked in the cool of the garden with Adam and Eve. Walking with somebody is a Hebrew metaphor for friendship, to walk with somebody together through life. That's friendship. So the early Christians made this notice that the first name for God is friend. Now, the first description of God in the Bible is that really that of a mother. But I love that the first name of God is friend. And then when you die you'll be judged on whether you are a friend or not. So the idea is that Christ is restoring us to original friendship, that the church is supposed to be this place that forges friendships in the world. I just can never get over that. The first name of God is friend. I also love the idea that you will be judged by whether you were a good friend. And what I like about the conversation we had and what you've done today is that I think it really it really caused me to examine myself as a friend. What kind of a friend am I? I mean, you, you've really given us a lot to think about, this whole idea of being a friend, a good friend, and what it means and what that role means, you know, for, for other people in your life and how important it is. That's why I said I think we're in a crisis of friendship. And when I say friendship, I mean true friendship. Totally. You replace true friendship with Facebook friendship or political friendships that serves some superficial, external, diverse unity thing. Well, as, as you've said, the version of friendship today is the friendship gets me something. Right. You know, it, it's, it's popularity like, or connections. Yep. Um, true friendship, it creates your soul. It knits your soul into something new and wise. So, yeah, I think we're in a crisis. And I think a lot of problems could be solved, personal problems, if people had more deep, meaningful friendships. I, I totally agree. Well, Father Lynn, unless you have something to add, I think that's a good place for us to leave this. Great. Well, you are my friend. I'll, I'll end it that way. Well, I'm happy to be your friend, Father Lynn. Even even when you say these difficult things to me and you've got the knife out and you're, you're the iron that sharpens me. Anyway, we welcome uh, your comments and questions. Uh, it's easy to get those to us, and, and, and we hope that you do. You just head over to our website. It's www.gshow.com. That's www.gshow.com. And you can click on the questions button. You'll find it in a blue ribbon across the top of the desktop or laptop version of our website. Or by clicking on, there's a three-line menu on the mobile version of the website. And you'll see the questions button there. And if you're enjoying the Wrestling with God show, 
Please uh, share your favorite episodes with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review our podcasts at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help people discover us. And uh, subscribing, by the way, to our podcast is free, uh, and it guarantees that uh, you'll never uh, miss an episode because you'll always know when we publish one. So we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth, meaning, purpose, and true friendship in our lives. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Mm -hmm.